Hello, and welcome to the Katie Halper Show. On this episode, we talk to Katie Baker, a reporter at BuzzFeed, who wrote a piece called Juanita Broderick Wants to be Believed. Who is Juanita Broderick? Well, in 1999, Broderick accused Bill Clinton of raping her in 1978 in her hotel room in Little Rock, Arkansas. Not surprisingly, the mainstream liberal feminist media responded with a deafening silence, which was shattered only by Wonkette's Rebecca Schoenkopf, who is a Hillary Clinton supporter. She was the only one not on the right to respond to the story and wound up issuing a bit of a rape apology. The same week that the BuzzFeed story came out, feminists were tweeting, quote, believe women, end quote, but it wasn't in reference to Broderick. It was in reference to the women who had accused a New York City comedian of raping them. Gabe and I talk about this rape controversy rocking the New York City comedy scene, Amy Schumer and her writer Kurt Metzger. He will be releasing an interview we did with Juanita Broderick shortly, so make sure you keep your eyes out for that one. Also coming up is an interview that we do with Tony Smith. Tony Smith was a college basketball player who refused to face the flag during the national anthem in 2003. She'll talk to us about Colin Kaepernick, the 49ers quarterback who's causing controversy with his decision to sit down and not stand during the national anthem. We have an important announcement. The Katie Halper Show will be moving from 6 p.m. on Wednesdays to 7 p.m. on Wednesdays. And as always, you can find us on WBAI. That's WBAI.org or 99.5 FM. And we're on SoundCloud, iTunes, and Facebook. We have a Facebook page, The Katie Halper Show. Make sure you subscribe to us on iTunes, rate us and review us, and follow us on SoundCloud. Hello, and welcome to the Katie Helper Show. I'm your host, Katie Helper, and I'm joined, as always, by Gabe Pacheco. Hey, everybody. What's going on? It's me, Gabe Pacheco. Very funny man, comedian, my co-host, my co-sponsor, my yeah. my uh, professional life partner, my radio podcast life partner. In the sidecar. In the sidecar. We're just cruising down the highway. Where are we headed, Katie? What are we I doing today? I love it when we're cruising together, first of all. I just want to mention that. We have a great show for you. We talked to Katie Baker, a great journalist who has a really great piece on Juanita Broderick for BuzzFeed called Juanita Broderick Wants to be Believed. And Juanita Broderick, again, is a woman who claims that Bill Clinton raped her. And she claims that this happened in 1978 when when Bill Clinton was an Ar- was the Arkansas Attorney General. And uh, the details are that she thought that they were having a meeting. They were going to meet in a hotel lobby. She ran, she ran uh, nursing homes, and she still she retired, but that's what she did for her whole life. She, they met. Um, he said if she was ever in, Ar- in Little Rock, Arkansas, that she should look him up. They'd have a meeting, talk about nursing home stuff. And she says that he uh, asked her at the last minute if they could meet in her hotel room instead of the lobby because um, press. There were, there's press in the in the lobby and then she says that he raped her she says he bit her lip and a couple of witnesses saw her afterwards she had a bruised lip there are witnesses who corroborated at least what she looked like afterwards right she didn't speak out until the 90s and she didn't want to speak out and there's she finally did speak out but in january of 2015 that she tweeted out this thing that went viral and it was I was 35 years old when Bill Clinton, Arkansas Attorney General, raped me and Hillary tried to silence me. I'm now 73. It never goes away. And that was because, according to this Katie Baker interview with her, she went ballistic, Juanita says about herself, she went ballistic when she heard Hillary Clinton talking about sexual assault and how we have to believe women. I want to send a message to every survivor of sexual assault. Don't let anyone silence your voice. You have a right to be heard 
and you have a right to be believed. We're with you. And it was kind of the hypocrisy of everything. There is a lot of hypocrisy in this story because we have feminists who, who talk about believe women. It's this mantra where you you kind of your default, you believe the woman by default. That doesn't yes. mean that the person's guilty in the court of law, but it's, it means that you think that what's their ulterior motive, what woman wants to do this, right? And I understand that. Yeah. You know, uh, it's, it, it is compensating yeah. in that direction, recalibrating, uh, you know, in the face of systemic patriarchy, misogyny, and... Rape uh, culture, rape and, apology. Uh, rape culture, rape right. apologists. So, so uh, to believe women being the default right. uh, does add, you know... Some balance. Some ba- or, exactly. Right, right. But we have these feminists who... who who hold up the mantra, you know, who repeat the mantra, believe women. But all of a sudden, for, for obvious reasons, uh, mainly because they love Hillary Clinton and it's kind of inconvenient, just to say that her husband may have raped someone, it doesn't have a good chime to it, right? It's not no. a good soundbite. No, alleged rapist <laughs> is not what you want to hear. Mr. First Man. What is he, First Man? Yeah. The, he'll be the fir- first man and first alleged rapist. Although, let's be honest, Thomas Jefferson. Hey, what? Bill, it's cool, Bill. Yeah, Bill Thomas Jefferson. You come from a long line. It's a Bill Jefferson Clinton. Yeah. There's a Jefferson in there. I just feel like all the slave-owning presidents yeah, were rapists. Yeah, all the slave-owning presidents were rapists or they by so either they themselves were rapists or they were involved in in uh, mass mass raping. Yeah. Yeah. Letting it happen. Rape under their watch. But Bill, you're really in good company. I mean, what what can we say? Not so much for this century. But he's a classicist. He's a classicist. He did. He was a Rhodes Scholar. He went to Oxford. He likes his uh, classics, um, classical rapists. Um, and and just so so what we have is we have you know people on the liberals, liberal feminists who like Hillary Clinton who talk about believe women. All of a sudden, their their mom, mum's the word. They don't talk about this thing, the story that came out. Um, they haven't talked about it at all. That's hypocrisy. The other hypocrisy is the right wing, who doesn't care about rape victims. They never talk about believe women. In fact, they make fun of that idea because they're conservative and sexist, um, to be fair, to be generous. And all of a sudden, they're rape (laughs) survivor advocates, right? So you have this weird reversal (laughs) where you have liberals being quiet about the issue. Feminist liberals don't talk about Juanita Broderick. They either don't talk about her or they try to suggest she's a right wing tool. Like Slate, for instance, when Slate covered the the BuzzFeed interview, their headline was, a new BuzzFeed piece shows how Juanita Broderick has drifted to the right. Not sure that's relevant. Not talking at all about her being a possible victim, more about her political opinions, which are not relevant. Germane, right. So they talk about, of course, they do go through the the possibility of her victimhood. But you know who I'm going to vote for? The guy that didn't rape me. Yeah, I know. You're crazy. Is that weird? I'm so surprised she's not a volunteer at her local DNC chapter. She actually was volunteering for Clinton. That's how they initially met. Yeah. She wasn't that political, but she started volunteering for him. But um, She was on his team. She was on his team. You know what? He lost a fan. He lost a fan. Yeah. That, you know a good way to... You know how, you, how to lose a fan in 10 days? What's the movie? How to lose a guy in 10 days? You got how it. How to lose a fan in 10 days? Rape. Don't do it. Don't do it. You will lose a fan. You will lose a fan. Yeah. No, no more envelope stuffing from that person. But yeah, that was one of the responses. But that response, that slate, so basically they're trying to illegit- uh, delegitimize her, right? They're trying to marginalize her, take away her credibility. Again, it's neither surprising nor relevant that this woman, this woman could be John Birch society. I don't care, right? It makes sense because again, the hypocrisy among liberals, 
forced her to the right. Where else was she going to go? They weren't writing about this. They weren't defending her. They weren't saying her name. They weren't believing her. Um, you got to go. You go where the love is. You go where the love is. And for her, the love was on the right wing. At, in the right wing. And she's not, I mean, she's not that crazy political. She, she's going to vote for Trump, she says, because, in fact, if we talk to Juanita Roderick, maybe we can ask her, what would it take for you to not vote for Trump? Then but what's, put... what's one vote matter yeah, I anyway? Know, I know. I mean, really, yeah. I would love to vote for Trump if I were in her situation. I'm impressed that I would be like knocking door. I'd be door to door knocking, I think. I yeah. don't know. I've never been in that situation, but I feel like I would be. Yeah. But they're trying to marginalize her. They're trying to say she's a right wing wing nut. And again, wasn't picked up by liberals. So we got hypocrisy on both sides and you get the right wing who doesn't care about rape victims. And it's like this weird role reversal, right? So, but the way that I heard about the story was that actually, and it's, it's kind of cool in a weird way. Like this woman at Wonkette, she wrote basically a rape denial. We talked about this a little bit last week. But uh, she wrote a piece called Let's Talk About Juanita Broderick. To her credit, I have to say something. We we made fun of her. When I saw this tweet, I tweeted up a storm. Um, and we made fun of her for being a, a, a rape apologist, basically, right? Which is what she did. She said... Uh, Which it was, by the way, uh, if you read any of it, that would be great. But it is more rape apologist than almost any other rape right. apology yeah. i've it's ever like it, right it's a historic moment in rape apology it's a milestone moment you know hillary clinton's milestone when she becomes president she reached a milestone getting the nomination while wonkette reached a milestone when they published this amazingly over-the-top rape apology and what she said was i think bill clinton could very well have raped juanita project it doesn't make him an evil man or irredeemable i'm catholic we're all forgiven if we're sorry and project says bill clinton personally called her up to apologize it doesn't even necessarily make him a bad feminist. You know, later, once he stops doing that. Wow. That's... Again, you want... we talked about this last week. You want to be a good feminist? Follow up with a phone call. It's not that hard, guys. Rape, call. Rape, call. That's the order. Remember? Don't yeah. do it the other way around. That doesn't count. You don't get credit for a call before the rape. As long as you say you're sorry. You say it's you're all sorry, good. yeah. Um, but what's crazy about this article is that I kind of see her as, a, as like, the Trump in this case, to mix political metaphors. She's a Clintonite, this woman, Rebecca, um, commie girl on Twitter. Um, but what's crazy about this is that this forced the conversation out of the water, right? Blew it out of the water because it was such an egregious rape apology. It wasn't even about Juanita Broderick. It was about this woman saying out loud that you could be a feminist and a rapist. Not literally at the same time, but I guess once he's not raping the person, if he was a feminist before, there's like a grace period where he's not a feminist while he's raping you, raping the person. But the second he walks out or another verb out, he's, right, he's right. back in feminist status. He has his feminist card again. Yeah. Um, but what's interesting is that her, her piece besides that, and she got attacked on, uh, for it, but her piece actually is, is very much believes Juanita Broderick. So it's funny because she's one of the few people on the left, one of the few liberals so uh, she, yeah, who so... defends Juanita Broderick and who's also a Clinton fan. So in some ways, she did a service because she did. She was the Donald Trump. She said the stuff that no one wanted to say, which was like, so what if he did do it? I don't think other people would have said that still makes him a feminist. But she said that. And then she also did a service because she actually went through the likelihood of, of its probability. Because I think a lot of people had just didn't want to talk about it. We are so excited to be talking to Katie Baker, who is a national reporter for BuzzFeed and is based in New York City. And she wrote this great deep dive on Juanita Broderick called Juanita Broderick Wants to Be Believed. 
Hi, welcome, Katie Baker. Katie, are you Hi, there? thanks so much for having me. Thanks for coming. Katie, can you tell us a little bit how this story happened, why you wanted to write about it, when you thought of writing about it, what the process was like with your editors? Yes, definitely. So it was actually an assignment I asked our editor-in-chief, Ben Smith, for a politics assignment because I really wanted a break from my beat, which I just do. I, I like to call it institutional injustice, but it's usually involves sexual violence and just looking for a break. And so I said, just assign me some politics story, anything. And then, of course, I got the politics story. That's without rape. Ben just said, how would you feel about profiling Juanita Broderick? And I vaguely knew who she was. I knew that she had accused Bill Clinton of something. But I, her allegations kind of were jumbled together in my head with those of other women, which I think is true for a lot of people. And once I read up about them, I was really shocked that I wasn't more familiar with her story. And so that's why I was, I was interested in going out to meet her and, and not going over the allegations themselves as much as kind of seeing what it's like to be Juanita Broderick now. I mean, her whole life, she's just been kind of thrust into this national conversation without, you know, really wanting to be there. And now finally she's taking some agency over it and getting a lot of shit for it basically from liberals who don't understand why she's, you know, inserting herself into the fray. And I thought that was an interesting tension. I barely knew about Juanita Broderick. I knew her name, but I realized that the way I actually found out about this, about your story was, I guess the day after your story came out, um, Rebecca in Wonquette, she wrote this thing that wound up being kind of like a rape apologia. And it went really viral on Twitter and there were lots of responses to it. But what I thought was fascinating is that that kind of force people to look at the issue and look at the story. And I almost feel like there was this pact, this unspoken, this tacit agreement among lots of liberals and progressives and feminists that we kind of wouldn't talk about this story because it was so complicated, because rape stories are so complicated. And for me personally, I've been very critical of Hillary Clinton. And I was afraid that um, if I did bring this up, I would be kind of marginalized as uh, fringe right-wing conspiracy theorists. What do you think about that? I mean, what do you think about why the story hasn't been receiving more attention? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think that it's a few things. I think one, I think the most charitable explanation is there isn't really that much more to say about her allegations. You know, she says that she was raped in the 70s when she spoke out in the 90s. There was no evidence. You know, Bill Clinton denied it. She said it happened, but it was it's too it was too late to press charges. The impeachment trial had already happened. She didn't want, you know, to um, file a civil suit or to you know. But there really isn't that much to do about it. And I think, especially in the context of Hillary Clinton running for president, I think that a lot of progressives or liberals, understandably, don't really see why do we have to bring this up now, given that. There's no way to prove it, um, you know, nothing really to do about it anymore. And I can understand that, but this thing I found so interesting and that I tried to get out of my story is, you know, so many people kept saying this is only coming up because, you know, Hillary's running or why should we talk about this or, you know, and, and I found that understandable, but then you meet Juanita and if you believe her story, if you believe that Bill Clinton raped her, you know, to say that she shouldn't speak out about it now when finally people are listening to her is really cruel and almost re-victimizing in a way, I think, to, to say, you know, you can't talk about this thing that happened to you. And obviously, you know, if that's 
if you believe, there's no way to prove it that it did. But I, I do think that you have this group of people who normally are very supportive of self declared rape survivors speaking out and getting, you know, agency over their own stories by um, speaking out on their own terms. And then when it comes to Juanita, you have all these these liberal people saying, why do we have to listen to her talk about this? Which I thought was was really, you know, complicated. Problem so Problematic, right? She's like uh, cynically like that she's collateral damage because instead of looking at her individual story and sort of validating her claims, we are seeing her as an inconvenient truth or to get what we want, which is she's Hillary in office. Right. She's inconvenient for, for Hillary supporters. Yeah, she's definitely inconvenient. And I think the thing is, you know, I really didn't want to write a piece that was, why are we talking about this? Or why is it? Because I, I think it's really hard to prove a negative. Like, it's hard to say no one's talking about it or thinking about it. Um, I, I, but I do think that there hasn't been, you know, people have run stories, but no one had really done a serious profile of her, except for, of course, Breitbart, which has done like 40 pieces on her in the past six months, and the National Review. And the only places that were really engaging with her were these right-wing sites who do not typically pay any attention to rape victims unless they fit into their political goals. And I just, I would hope that progressive websites or liberal leaning websites would be better than that and not only report on rape victims who, you know, I don't think that just because a woman is voting for a Republican or her implication, you know, the implications of her claims are bad for Democrats doesn't mean that she's less credible. And, and I think that is how a lot of people do think about her. Right. And of course, to me, it's a bit of a self-fulfilling prophecy, right? The progressives, the feminists of the world, the progressive feminists, mainstream liberal feminists, they're not embracing her because she's inconvenient. Why is anyone at all surprised that then she becomes someone who's feels more at home yeah. among right wing people who are the only ones who are validating her story? Yeah, I think it makes complete sense. And I think that I really found it kind of baffling that anyone would hold that against her. I mean, she's obviously not a political or operative. You look at her history, you know, she ran a nursing home. She, she voted for Obama in 2008, not because she liked Obama particularly, but because she didn't want the Clintons to win. I mean, regardless of whether you, regardless of whether you believe her, you can't say that she is this right wing operative. Right. That's just like, like, there's no evidence of that. I mean, I thought one of the more telling quotes, ironically, from your piece, which was, again, so great and so nuanced and so well-researched, was um, someone from Emily's List who you spoke to who said, yeah. women know that this is an unfair attack on Hillary, and that's why it continues to exist in the small corner of the right-wing media world. But that, of course, is a way to keep it in the right-wing media world, right? You marginalize it as a right-wing story, and then people who aren't in the right-wing don't want to touch it because they don't want to be kind of... Uh, marginalized by extension. Yeah, and I think that, you know, a way that a lot of liberal writers had discussed this is just kind of asking the question, well, should Hillary be blamed for, you know, what her husband may or may not have done? And I think that that's just a different question. I mean, there's, a, I don't, like, I didn't really want to try and answer that in my story. I just wanted to listen to Juanita and engage with her, give Juanita the time and analysis that she's only gotten from these right-wing sites. You know, I didn't really want to try and answer just questions of, well, what should this mean for Hillary? Because for Juanita, I don't, you know, I think that her, what she wants to do is she wants people to believe her and she wants to tell her story. And, you know, she also doesn't want the questions to be back in the White House. But I think that people, like, it's interesting because in some ways, you know, the real gray area situation here isn't 
the whether she was raped or not, but whether Hillary had anything to do with it. You know, I think a lot of liberal people, you know, they're not going to say she's lying or that it may not have happened, but they don't want to. They do not think that Hillary Clinton has anything to do with it, and therefore they can kind of just say, well, this has nothing to do with Hillary, so we'll just ignore the rest of what she's right. saying. Does but that then make sense? What's interesting is that even if Hillary has nothing to do with it, uh, and, and it did happen, there's still a rapist uh, who will be uh, wandering around the Rose Garden and who will be at the inauguration uh, wearing a tuxedo and toasting his wife's victory and getting off scot-free. And Juanita will be watching that on television and being triggered by it over and over and over again every time she well, turns on the TV. I think it's important to say we don't know that he's a rapist. He's never been charged. So I feel right. uncomfortable, you know, making a proclamation like that myself. But, sure. I, you know, I, and that's what's so complicated about right. writing this story, too, is, you know, there's no way to tell who's telling the truth. There's no way to tell if if um, what really happened. Right. So that's why I really wanted to focus on kind of the, the political context rather than her claims themselves. But just to pu- to kind of push back on this idea, I mean, part of the problem, and, and it's ironic that I think one of the reasons that Juanita Broderick came out again so strongly, she claims, is because she heard Hillary Clinton mentioning sexual assault. And the whole mantra of believe women has in some ways made this that much more inconvenient, right? We live in an age where feminists, the very feminists who have kind of created this idea around believing women, which you talk about in your piece, which, again, it's not a legal standard, right? They're not saying that um, any woman who's, who claims she was raped, uh, that the person doesn't get a tra- fair trial, right? This is a different issue. This is kind of like outside the court of law, right? How much has that movement, which then, because it's a progressive liberal feminist movement, is very, for the most part, supportive of, of, of Clinton, how much did they create this kind of, ironically... Do you think? No, it is. It's definitely. It's this bizarre alternate reality. It's this twist of norms where, you know, you have not to conflate politicians, but I, you know, for example, um, Senator Gillibrand, Emma Sokowitz, who's the, um, you know, the mattress girl from Columbia. She took her to a White House event last year as kind of an example of as and called her a rape victim, and you know, obviously. Her case has been disputed. It's never been to court, and yet you had this this politician just holding her up as this example. Yet, you know, when it comes to Juanita, they're you know, their liberals are going, well, it's never been proven. Where's the evidence? So and so. So I definitely think, you know, that the same progressives, um, both in the media and in politics, that are very victim centered and very, um, you know, based on the philosophy that if a woman is going to speak out and talk about being assaulted, you know, we should listen to her and 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 take her seriously. They're definitely the ones that are, are more silent on, on on this issue of Juanita Broderick. Right. And as you pointed out in your article, uh, p- parts of Hillary Clinton's website had been had was modified, right? Because she had mm-hmm. um, I want yeah. to send a message to every survivor of sexual assault. Don't let anyone silence your voice. You have the right to be heard. You have the right to be believed. And we're with you. And uh, February, after Juanita Broderick had tweeted that tweet, um, it was the last uh, sentence was removed. That you have the right to, sorry, yeah, you have the right to be believed, and we're with you. Was removed. Mm-hmm. Um, and did you experience, by the way, any pushback? Because I, I know that you're, uh, you know, lots of we have friends in common. We're both writers, and lots of feminist friends and feminist writer friends. Did you experience any pushback for 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 bringing this story to light? 
You don't have to name names. Just curious. Yeah, not for my friends. I mean, most of my friends <laughs> voted for Bernie Sanders, probably. Oh, okay. You know, yeah. I, I mean, I, just, my parents and my boyfriend's parents were definitely, you know, I mean, they liked my story, but when I first told them I was writing it, you know, they were like, why would you do this? We don't want Donald Trump to be president. I think that my friends, you know, the people that I, like most of the people I talked to about this, including Hillary Clinton supporters, you know, said that they understood why I was writing and they thought it was really interesting. I really didn't get that much pushback from, from people, especially, I think my story is really fair. And I think, you know, it's not my job to, as a reporter to determine, you know, whether she's telling the truth or not. It, my my job was to explain her story and let her speak for herself and, and put her in the context of this bizarre political landscape that we live in. So I think that anyone who actually read my story like could not could not say it wasn't fair. Yeah, and it is interesting, right, because you have these kind of competing narratives, competing sexism stories where I don't know what the answer is, right? Like we keep saying if Clinton, if Bill Clinton did do it, then it's not on Hillary, right? Um, that's certainly a fair thing to Hillary Clinton, and I, I actually really understand. Like, I, I'm, I've become very frustrated. Part of a lot of this show has become uh, Gabe and and me talking about how you know the feminine, the sexism uh, label has been used unfairly. Like, if you criticize Hillary Clinton on her Honduras policy, yeah, uh, it's because she's sexist, right? And so that I we <laughs> find I find that ridiculous. But what's weird about this story is that. This was one of the rare times where, ironically, it really I really got the claim. Like, I got the unfairness mm-hmm. of it. I got the sexism. Yeah. Like, Michelle Goldberg, unf- who, who I disagree with, but respectfully, um, on lots of her takes. But she wrote, she was like, it would be a cruel irony if um, Hillary Clinton had to pay the price for a crime that her husband didn't have to pay the price for. So I get that. But at the same time, I don't know. How do we reconcile these two things? Because this other woman, Juanita Broderick, needs her chance to be heard, right? I don't don't think they're mutually exclusive. I think it's possible to listen to Juanita Broderick and take her claims seriously and also vote for Hillary Clinton. I don't think, you know, I think that it's way more complex than that. And this election is, is way more complex than that. And I think, I don't think it has to be, you know, we either talk about it and don't vote for her or we don't talk about it and vote for her in my work. You know, what I would like to do is, is have a conversation about this um, and about her and, and know, and I think voters should know her story, but I think that that doesn't mean that they, they have to, you know, right. be a single issue voter. Thank you so much, Katie. And um, thank you. Yeah. Come back. We'd love to have you again. Yeah, I'd love to. I'll talk to you soon. Hopefully. Thanks, Thanks. Katie. Thanks. Bye. That actually reminded me of a parallel story. In the comedy world, there was a uh, a comedian who was uh, accused of being a rapist, an alleged rapist, and it came out on a women in comedy Facebook um, private group uh, forum. And uh, then it kind of spread like wildfire throughout the comedy club community. Um, UCB banned this performer. And then that's after the that, Upright Citizens Brigade. That's correct. In New York City, also has chapters in uh, Los Angeles. And then after that, the Creek in the Cave. Uh, banned the same performer, and so did uh, other clubs, the Experiment Comedy Gallery. So uh, Because multiple uh, women had come Multiple women forward. had come forward. So UCB never never said it officially, but I do know that they did contact um, uh, bookers and club owners, and so they there was an internal investigation that they had where uh, several women came forward and filed complaints against this performer. Um, then uh, it kind of became a firestorm on Facebook where Kurt Metzger, who is um, a performer, a stand-up, uh, like a prolific comedian who wrote for the Amy Schumer show, 
he was coming out and and his critique, uh, although it was using hyperbolic language, was basically saying that it is uh, it isn't enough that uh, he's just banned from clubs. He there should be there should be an official um, police inquiry, and he was looking for more. I mean, facts. He was looking for facts. He wanted to know what the allegations really were, as opposed to taking UCB's word that they had done a thorough investigation. Now, that led to, um, like, a a firestorm of, like, uh, believe women comments all over Facebook and posts saying that we should believe all women who are uh, accusing anyone of uh, sexual assault. And when that happened, um, Amy Schumer as his employer for the Amy Schumer show was getting uh, tweeted at. um, And basically people were asking her why she was defending him, uh, why she hasn't fired him yet. How could she have such a sexist rape apologist uh, on her staff? And I'm such a misogynist as well. So uh, that led her to uh, apologize and to distance herself from Kurt. Um, but I'm just thinking about this in terms of, like, Bill and Hillary, too. It's not saying that Hillary, you know, people uh, would say it's unfair for the woman to be blamed for what the the man's actions are. And here we have an example where uh, feminists were putting pressure on Amy Schumer to distance herself from Kurt. In the same way, there doesn't seem to be any pressure being put on Hillary to distance herself from Bill, who even if this one uh, allegation isn't true, I mean, he does have a like sort of a what (laughs) he's got a a, an interesting track record. Yeah. Yeah. There's like a bunch of little baby ducklings of sexual indiscretions and peccadilloes following him around in his past. Right. Um, Yeah. And in all fairness, this is the only I think I'm not sure if there are other rape allegations. The other ones are more like and something that happens, I think, and it's, and it's problematic, as we love to say, is that sex, like infidelity, gets grouped into the same thing as rape. And that's a problem, right? They talk about this in the military. They talk about, like, there's very different things, right? There's a big difference between consensual relationships and relationships that we may think are not nice to the spouse, right? Like cheating. But again, there's a big difference between... Uh, and and then there's then there's the the idea of, like, an affair between equals, as so, opposed to between an intern and the president of the United States. Yeah, you know, like a like an unpaid intern is is like a you know they're they're uh, they're slaves that are right. both. I mean, you know, not like in the old term sense or the of sex slave, slave thing either. Yeah, right. but they're kind of you know your your job is beholden to this person and you don't make any money and uh, you're hoping to get a good uh, a good approval rating on your resume, five star Yelp review for your time as an intern. Right. So you're gonna go above and beyond. Right. And one of the biggest people who um, who's involved in this, and they've been um, they've been like fighting for years, right? Is Sadie Doyle, a blogger and writer. I, I don't know what she talks about on Twitter because she blocked me right. years ago. I don't know why. She blocked but... me too. It's probably because you follow Kurt Metzger, or because uh, if you follow Jacobin, she'll also block you. But what's fascinating is that Sadie Doyle, who writes about believing women and writes about kind of rape culture all the time, and writes about how women are seen and presented and portrayed as hysterical and irrational, herself included. She talks a lot about mental illness. Um, she tweeted on August 17th about this issue, right, the Amy Schumer-Kurt Metzger issue. Um, Doug Stanhope, who's another comedian who has his own podcast, yep, he said um, 
this is a way too long of a convo for 140 characters, and I'm probably arguing two sides of different stories. So that's they were having a debate over this story, right? And Sadie's comment was, cool way to shorten the conversation, colon, believe women. So when it comes to this comedians, female comedians, who are accusing a man of, of rape, not in the court of law, but outside of, the, uh, outside of court, um, the rule is to believe women. So I would love to know what Sadie Doyle thinks about believing Juanita Broderick or not. And if it's not, if she's not believable or she doesn't deserve to be believed, what is that exception to the rule? Believe women unless they are accusing the husband of the w woman whose presidency you want to support and make happen? Believe women unless they uh, somehow undermine your political agenda believe women as long as they're progressive believe women as long as they're not right wing as long as they're a sympathetic and convenient victim right right and i think there's hypocrisy on both sides right because you have people who are 100% believe women and what's interesting is that this this tweet that tweet that Sadie Doyle <laughs> tweeted the Sadie Doyle tweet um came out the week the same week that people were finally talking about the Katie Baker story about Juanita Broderick in BuzzFeed. So she took the time to say believe women when it applied to women, female comedians, accusing this comedian of rape. Right. But not about Juanita Broderick. And ostensibly, that's kind of a bigger deal. Right. Right. Who, I mean, the, the impact on society is going to be much greater. Right. Than, uh. In all fairness, I think that, sorry, yeah. No, I was just, you know, I was going to say, like, a predator at, at Upright Citizens Brigade is a is a big deal. And uh, I advocate 100% for the safety of, right. you know, all comedians in my community. Right. And, um, you know, I I do, I, I do believe. <laughs> right, women? Yeah, and I, I do believe these uh, comedians. Right. Um, but, uh, but, yeah, in the grand scheme of things, it really doesn't matter. Or let's say it does Beyond matter. A couple thousand people, whereas this is a something bigger. This is right. going to be the leader of the free world. Right. Although in all fairness, you could argue, and this is kind of messed up, but the likelihood of Bill Clinton now to rape more people moving forward is very low. Because he's old. Because he's old. He's in the public eye. Like this comedian would have kept raping. But yeah. as someone who believes in women's rights on a universal, nonpartisan level, I think that Sadie should have dealt with this. In all fairness, also to Sadie, I think she's right in large. In you know, one of the things that Kurt, one of the things that Kurt Metzger's doing, is that he's saying, "Oh, we should take this seriously. We should take rape seriously enough that we don't just accuse people of doing it. We go file police reports." But what he's also saying is like, "File police reports or shut up." I, that is, I think, what he's saying, and that's just so insensitive. Like, in this day and age, to not understand. To not have heard about why so many women refuse, like don't, don't, um, don't go to the police after they've been raped. Don't do a rape kit. Like it's not like women are just crazy or lazy, right? There's a reason. There are institutional barriers or things that happen. Police don't believe you. They make you feel like a slut. They make you feel like you're not the perfect victim. So why should they believe you? You got to wait a long time. You're in a police station. Yeah. It's a bummer. Yeah, it's a bummer. I mean, and Law and Order SVU, all the law and orders, actually, they all cover rape. I'm watching. I watched The Night Of, just the first oh, episode of it? it so far. Rape? Any and rape? No, it's a, it's a, there's a murder. Okay. No big deal, guys. I'm not giving away too much, NBC, but yeah. we're looking at the, it's a procedural. Richard right. Price is, uh, wrote it. And oh. you see that, you just see how, 
uh, awful right. it is to have any interactions right. with the with police. The police. Right. It doesn't matter whether you're the a witness or right. whether you're the suspect. Right. And one, I mean, it's probably worse if you're the victim. But yes. besides that, once you're if you're alive, but in, in those shows, you always see them taking a shower right away, right? Yeah, I'm just saying, like, I, I, the, all these things. It's like when people say, you know, these black people are this, that, the other. They're just lazy. They're just blah blah. blah. It's like, what, what is the statistical, like, likelihood of that? Clearly, they're structural issues, right? It's not just a bunch of people deciding not to go graduate, not to apply to this job. A bunch of women deciding just not to file a police report for the hell of it. Um, yeah. All right, cool. So, believe women. We'll have to make some. Um, some variations of that. Yeah, I think what's interesting is that um, it's uh, the Juanita Broderick case is interesting for me because we know her name. We know say her who, name. Yeah, Sorry. we we know uh, we've heard her side, and this is sort of like what um, a Kurt would ask for. You know, he would say, "What? Who? Well, who is the? Who's the victim?" Uh, what what were the circumstances? Right. And, and, she, we, right. and we have it right. here. And in that case, it's like, what else do we need? Why? What's the what incentive does Juanita Broderick have? Right. She to, didn't come forward initially. Also, she to did continue not. talking about this in her seventies. Right. Doesn't she just want to be like? If it wasn't true, like, wouldn't she just want to be chilling as a grandma? Right. What's her her ulterior, <laughs> ulterior motive? Exactly. Thank you so much, guys. We love you. Thank you for listening to the Katie Halper Show. I'm your host, as always. Katie Halper, joined by Gabe Pacheco, and you can follow me on Twitter at Gabe, G-A-B-E underscore P-A-C-H-E-C-O. And you can follow me at K-T-Helps. That's letter K, letter T, H-A-L-P-S. K-T-Helps. 